Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Sermon this morning is entitled Living in Denial. Living in denial. And no, this is not a pathetic dad joke about floating along the famous Egyptian river, living in denial. But don't think this dad brain didn't go there for a hot minute. It's hard to turn this thing off. No, as we'll read shortly, Peter, the disciple of Jesus, the friend of Jesus, the one who Jesus blesses with the words that we read last week, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. This Peter is living in denial. Now, you might be familiar with the denial that Peter is famous for. It's the one at the end of the gospel, the one where Jesus is arrested and Peter deserts him, the one where Peter is pointed out for not knowing Jesus, and Peter denies that he ever knew Jesus. Not once, but three times. No, that threefold denial is not the denial that Jesus gets worked up about in our reading today. It's a different kind of denial. So let's read about and unpack this denial and let's see how Jesus turns denial itself upside down and inside out. We're reading from Matthew chapter 16, reading verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo a great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what, he is, for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Peter the rock is now Peter the stumbling stone. Jesus had just blessed him for rightly confessing that Jesus is the Christ. The problem is that Peter, like us, doesn't quite know what that means. Or maybe he's just unwilling to give up what he hopes that means. He's in denial. He's in denial that the future he hoped for with Jesus by his side is not the future that Jesus embraces. He's in denial that the future he hoped for with Jesus decisively overturning the corrupt political and religious system and returning Israel to a political greatness and glory is not the future that Jesus reveals. He's in denial because the future path Jesus is prepared to walk is a future that is painful, disappointing, and just too much. 
Denial is when we turn away from the harsh reality that is before us because it is too much for us. Because it is overwhelming, destabilizing, painful. It's when we cling to an alternative reality that has slipped away. Now before we pat ourselves on the back for not being Peter, before we rush to judgment and smug spiritual self-satisfaction, let's remind ourselves that his denial is no stranger to us. I suspect many of us, most of us, maybe all of us, have lived this denial in some shape or form, especially this year of great disappointment. When the year we had planned fell apart as the coronavirus spread, especially this year as living more physically distanced, masked lives has brought on more isolation and great loneliness for some and more of the exhausting impossible for others, those who can't get a moment alone struggling to balance school and work and parenting and caring for children. Yes, especially this year when job searches grind to a halt. When loved ones become ill with a virus we know so very little about, when furloughs were doled out and hours have been slashed, when schools and support services are closed for in-person engagement, when all the good we plan to do for ourselves and for others, when all of that, when the future itself seemed to implode. Yes, denial is when we turn away from the harsh reality before us because it is just too painful, too destabilizing, too overwhelming to confront. Denial isn't explaining it away so much as it is clinging to the desperate hope of a lost future. Anyone know what it's like to cling to the desperate hope of a lost future? I do. Peter does. And the thing is, it's a natural human response. You may recall, you may recall the, the, the famous, the now very famous five stages of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote about so long ago. What's the first stage? Denial. Denial. Anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, denial. No, 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 anger, this isn't fair. Bargaining, well, what if depression? How do I go on without? And then after a time that is different for all of us and that may turn out to take a lifetime, acceptance of the reality that is before us. I think it's helpful to put denial in the context of grief, in the context of loss, because I think we're still going through collective grief as a community and as a society just as much as we are going through the grieving process as individuals during this time. This worldwide pandemic puts us all in a long and uncertain grieving process. I don't feel like I did, thanks be to God, back in April or May when this funk overtook me. But that doesn't mean that I'm not still grieving, nor that I won't be plunged back into an unexpected stage of grief. Grief is not a linear process. Those stages that Kubler-Ross made famous are not the kind of things we go through one after the other in some kind of unwavering and unyielding order. No, we cycle back through. Cycle back through in unpredictable and strange ways that catch us by surprise. Just because we were in denial once before doesn't mean we can't find ourselves there again. When school didn't start on time for my kiddos, when I stared down the prospect of them learning from home and grappling with a screen for more hours than we think is ideal, I found myself getting defiant and resistant and searching for some ideal solution to avoid this whole mess and I'm still grieving. 
It may look different now, but I'm still grieving. Maybe you are too. See, the problem with denial isn't that we go through it. We all likely need to go through it as we grieve. The problem is when we get stuck in it. And what I love about Jesus is that even when he seems to get all hot and bothered by his disciples, he speaks with blessing and compassion, compassion if we have the ears to hear him. See, when Peter tells Jesus, no, 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 you won't die. You can't die. God forbid it. That's not how this plays out. That's not how we win. Jesus, who just blessed Peter, says, get behind me, Satan. Okay, that's a little harsh. But maybe not as harsh as we think. It might even be full of more blessing and compassion than we think. You see, first Jesus hears in Peter the same temptation from Satan we read about earlier in the gospel all the way back in Lent. If you were here during Lent in March, if you can believe what seems like another world ago, Jesus in the wilderness is tempted by Satan to take a shortcut past the cruelty and suffering of the day and find a more noble, easier path to glory and prestige and Jesus refuses. And so when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, there are echoes of that temptation before and Jesus again refuses but he refuses with an invitation to Peter what does he say he doesn't say okay you're disqualified remember that blessing I just gave you sorry no more you're out that's not the way of Jesus no he says listen to this get behind me that is Peter friend the invitation remains Follow me. Get behind me and follow me. Where I am going is where suffering and cruelty and self-interested political machinations will, will churn me up and spit me out, but it's also the way of a love that is bigger and better and more beautiful than you can possibly imagine right now. Let's, let's go together and let me lead. Let me lead you there. Peter is grieving. I'm reminded that the stages of grief that Kubler-Ross made famous were actually only later applied to grief in general. Initially, she was describing the process of those who receive a terminal diagnosis, of those who learn that they are going to die. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And Peter has just discovered that Jesus has a terminal diagnosis that the ministry and mission he is committed to can't help but lead to his death and crucifixion. Jesus, too, will have his own moment of cycling back through the stages of grief. In the garden, before his arrest, Jesus will pray, God, take this cup from me. Bargaining. But here, in this moment, Jesus has accepted that he is, in, that he is not in control of what the human authorities will do, threatened as they are by his compassion and justice and empowerment of all people, including the sick, the wounded, the shamed, and the oppressed. Jesus has accepted that his ministry and mission will likely, if not inevitably, if not necessarily, lead to his arrest, trial, crucifixion, death. The way of love is not the easy way. But because Jesus knows grief and loss, because Jesus is compassionate, Jesus is quick to extend a firm yet compassionate word to Peter, get behind me, follow me. We'll do this together. Let me lead.
The way of Jesus is clear, convicted, and compassionate, just as Jesus is here with Peter. And then what's, what's beautiful is Jesus leans into his relationship with Peter and with his disciples. He doesn't give up on them or abandon them, but instead teaches them again, loves them anew, helps them in their struggle to give up their ideas about how the future is supposed to go and embrace what love can do with any future if we'll let it. So Jesus then turns denial upside down and inside out for Peter and for us too. Yes, like Peter, we need to do the work of denial, true denial, the kind of holy denial that can bring us through our human natural denials to the grace-filled heavenly denial that is finally letting go of all the futures we think we want, we think we are owed, we think will make us happy and healthy and holy and get out of the expectations and into the reality of the present however harsh it might be, where God will meet us, where God is leading us, where Jesus himself is willing to go with us. Get behind me, Michael. Let me lead you. I've got somewhere to take you that might not be anything like what you expected, but it can still be what God makes into a holy story, into redemption. It can still be what God makes into new life. It can still be what God makes into the very kingdom of God. This fall, ahead of us, maybe into the winter, maybe into the spring, we don't know. It won't be anything like we had planned. But it can still look like the deeper way of love. And even more so, if we'll let it. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.